Welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast. I'm your host, James Woodham. And I am your co-host, Juliet. Juliet has a decade of architectural experience in the US. And James has completed over 250 home renovations in the UK. Together, James and I have over 35 years experience designing and building homes. This podcast was created to give you, the homeowner, the power and the knowledge to get your project done right, on time, and with quality workmanship. We've been going for just over a year now, and we have over 50 episodes for you to listen and absorb all the information from key experts in the industry. That's right. We've spoken to industry leaders, builders, architects, and the best part of what we do is hear from you, the homeowner, what went right and what went wrong. We really hope you like listening to this podcast, and if you do, please leave us a review. Reviews expose us to more listeners, which in turn means we can help more homeowners save money and avoid the chance of things going wrong. With that said, let's get into today's show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Property Renovation Podcast. On this week's episode, it's just me and Juliet talking about if it's okay to ask certain questions to your building company, contractor, um, your your builder that's coming over and providing a quotation to do uh, any renovation in your property. Um, we ask things like, uh, how much experience do you have? Um, should you, um, can, can we have a contract? That's uh, always a good one. Um, and can I visit one of your active projects as well? Um, rather than just visiting one that is already finished, you want to be visiting one that's, um, like midway through so you can see what they're kind of like. Um, yeah. So that we went through about 12 questions, which we think, um, are the most awkward ones or could be awkward to ask. And, um, you should just not, you know, I don't know whether you've been in this situation before where you feel, uh, is it, am I going to sound silly asking this kind of question or, um, I'll, I'll best avoid that. I won't ask that or something like that. You don't ever want to be in that position. Um, you're inviting people into your home uh, that can potentially win the project and uh, get paid to, to to renovate your home. So you want to be making sure you ask all of the relevant questions. Uh, and even if it does sound uh, uh, a bit awkward or pointless to ask, um, it never is. It's best to ask than not to ask. Um, so, so we went through about 12 of these questions. We discussed each one of them, why it's so important. Um, and... Don't worry about writing these questions down or writing down the points that we say. We're going to be putting this in a PDF uh, that then can be downloaded from our website for free. Um, so you would be able to just, you know, access it any time. Um, so you don't have to go back to the episode and listen to it again either. So you can just download it. Um, guys, it's renovation season. So there's lots of exhibitions going on up and down the UK. Um, the next two are the... Ideal Home Show, which is going to be happening at the Olympia in London, so Earl's Court, uh, which is 22nd of March through to the 7th of April. Um, it's a huge uh, show. Go and check it out. You can get lots of in- inspiration there. There's some great um, people that are at that show as well. Um, and then there is the um, Home Building and Renovation Show, which is at the NEC in Birmingham from the 28th of March through to the 31st of March. I've been to that show. 
Um, it's an amazing show. So if you're thinking about doing a loft extension, um, a loft conversion, or you're thinking about doing an extension, or you're thinking about buying some new uh, double glazing windows or some sliding doors, these this is the show to go to. Um, it's a great show. Lots and lots of choice uh, and lots and lots of good quality products on the, on the market as well. Um, even if you're thinking about doing something ecological with a new build that you're doing, um, there's some great uh suppliers there that you can go and check out it's a huge huge show uh lots and lots of fun as well so go and check them out um finally i just want to say thank you very much if you've left a review um we read every single one of them they're super super important to us um so keep them coming and you can review us on itunes you can review us on spotify uh player fm any um uh, podcast listening platform of your choice you can go to and just leave a couple of points that's all you need to do um and yeah that's it so thank you very very much and uh, enjoy this episode and we'll see you on the next one thank you do you know today i actually wanted to speak about um is it okay like certain questions right that um people i don't think or homeowners think should i be asking that to to their contractor i spoke to you about this a couple of days i said it would be a good episode um and i don't know whether whether it's the same thing in your field as an architect and whether a homeowner thinks do i am i going to sound silly asking that question or um is it going to come across an awkward question to ask and like, right. how are they going to respond? So, but I, I think, um, as a contractor, um, uh, as a homeowner, um, wanting to ask these questions to a contractor or a builder coming in their home, mm-hmm. um, it can be sometimes quite intimidating, um, yeah. being told what they should do and sometimes not having those questions about. So, Right. Yeah. So I just got a number of them and I thought we would just go through them, talk about each one and go from there. One question is, and this is a really good question because it comes up all the time is where can I see pictures of your work? It's a good question. I mean, I would say that contractors can, they, they always direct people or they should always direct people to their website because that's where you should display most of your best work. Um, it's always important if there is a contractor listening that you show, um, not only the final finishes because anyone can Photoshop them. Anyone can, uh, you know, there, there is really no story behind it. Um, people want to know how you got there. So it's always a good thing to put the before and after even in between is a really good thing. And I'd go a little bit further and maybe add a couple of videos, but I mean, Julia, you probably agree with me that there is so many other places now that display pictures of your work with social media about Instagram is, is huge. One of the biggest things. Um, and, and also sometimes it depends on, uh, how professional, I mean, this would, this is how it used to be years ago where you, you would go with a portfolio of your work. Physically. Right. Yeah, a physical portfolio. <laughs> Absolutely. And then everything got digital and it's always like, you can go and check my work online. But right. I think the most important thing here is that 
Um, and I don't, I have to be careful how I say this because I'm, I'm really not portraying this is what contractors or builders do, but there's certainly some of them that do it. And this mm-hmm. is when, um, you make, you, you may show images that are not yours or you may show images that have been altered in a way to, um, to, to, to hide something that hasn't been finished as perfectly as it, as it is. Right. So it's always a good idea to ask if you can go and see one of the jobs, right. at least physically in person, go and check that job out. And, um, always ne- never check out a job that is finished completely. Um, it's always a good thing to, 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 to see a job that's actually live. You can tell a lot of what to expect from going to see a live job. You can see how their team are working, how the health and safety is on the, on the project, how they're keeping it all clean and tidy and stuff like that. So about the visuals, it's more than just about the photos. Would you say there's, would it be even more ideal though to see one finished and one like in process? Of course. Yeah. 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 You could do that. It de- I mean, look, if you're wanting, if you're dividing yourself, it depends on the project size, I would probably say. Mm-hmm. So if someone is, ter- you know, someone um, wants to have a bathroom renovated, they want it done next week. Uh, there are available times to go and see a job is like, you know, at 6 p.m., 7 p.m. at night or on a weekend, which is not really ideal. So, um, but if you've got more time, so if you've got a project that you're planning, it's a bigger renovation, then yes, you can plan to go and see an actual physical active job and you can go and see one that's been finished as well because you can plan these ahead. I think it's definitely easier to go see a job that's in process just from the other client's point of view, you know, because you already have strangers essentially coming in through through your home. And so you're already kind of ready for that. And so one more person to be like, oh, so-and-so is just going to take a quick like five-minute pop around versus, you know, it's your home. It's 100% private again. Hey, can we stop by? You're like <laughs> at night after work and you're like, um, I'm trying to put my kids to bed or, you know, whatever it, it is. Yeah. You're like evening routine. That's, it is very, it can be very intrusive. So I think... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you get a little bit of pushback just because the contractor, I mean, just our entire industry, a lot of it does run off of referrals. And so there is a bit of that sense of you want to protect your relationship with former clients and keep them, you know, you treat them respectfully and Mm. kind of still keeping them happy. And then you don't want to be the one that's always sort of asking these odd, slightly oddball requests like, Hey, let's come by over the weekend. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's difficult, isn't it? And, and it depends on, um, it's, it's always some home and homeowners might, uh, get their back up a little bit or get nervous if they are constantly being told that they can't go and see that property or I, I still need to get permission or there is no access just yet or something like that. It's kind of like, it sounds like the contractor's trying to hide something when they're really not. Right. You know, they could, they, it's just really could be that it's a sensitive subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, people have got their home back. They're back to their normal lives and they've got to catch up as well. So there, there is a, it's a difficult one. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's always, it's basically like, Hey, let's bring more strangers to your home. And then you're like, do I have to clean up my house? Like, 
I don't, it's anyway, just be aware that it's a harder request to accommodate. That's all I would say mm. for clients. But um, anyway, kind of going off of that and thinking about seeing a finished project versus one in process. So in terms of asking about the process, how would you, how, what's the best way for me to ask or for you to sort of tell me how each stage of the process goes and how, um, how you're going to, how, how the work is going to feel at each one of those stages? Um, I think you should have got through all of the spec, like scope of works first. Mm -hmm. So this is like, there, there, there can be a real, uh, there can be a big amount of changes back and forth, um, with this scope of works until it's actually complete. Um, does take a long time. I'm sure you know, Juliet as well. So, <laughs> um, but when we're, when, they, when, when you're finally there, um, then it's a good time to start talking about, okay, so how are you actually going to do this and how, what's in, in what stage sequence are you going to do this? So, um, walking around the house is, is a good one. Um, just saying, okay, so like, you know, pointing to things and seeing how this is going to work, but having probably the plans in your hand as well, um, taking notes mm -hmm. at the same time. But what you're looking for from a contractor is, is, is detail. Now, when we talk about like, when is the best stage for doing this? I don't think you're going to get many contractors when they've, they've still not, uh, been given assurance that they've got the project. Right. Um, I don't think they're going to want to tell you every single bit of information in stages of how the job is. It's pretty much giving away their entire experience and knowledge on the job. Um, for you to then as a homeowner be given the chance to take, you know, take someone else as well. So it's a, it's a bit of a sensitive subject. I hear it all the time with contractors, you know, uh, they're quoting for, pro, uh, for projects almost every single night, you know, and you know, they're not going to get them all. So there's a lot of time involved, a lot of, a, a lot of time that you don't get back in, 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 in return of any investment. So, um, it's a difficult one. And I, I think you're probably going to get a vague, um, you're going to get vague information about each stage mm -hmm. until you're prepared to commit on that okay. basis. Now it can be a deposit. So it's just, it's just about showing the, the, the commitment from your side right. as a homeowner. So if a deposit is negotiable on the basis of that, uh, if you decide not to go ahead, it can be refunded to you, uh, less any, um, initial costs to set up and contracts and stuff like that. Then I think money is exchanged. There's mm -hmm. a bit more serious from your side as a homeowner mm -hmm. and you will, you will get more of a detailed stage. And I, I think that's accurate, you know? So mm -hmm. even if you are at the point where you think this guy is good and I, I, I want to take him on, show him or her how serious you are by putting that deposit down and then talk about the stage because you'll get more detail from that. Absolutely. I also think, um, especially for an initial meeting, that's really not the time to be talking about that when you're no. still getting all those things because 
I guess I, I would like to emphasize what you just said that it takes a lot of time to build to I'm sorry to bid out a project. It's a lot of time. Like you're you're going to a place. There's the commute. There's the actual meeting time. There's the follow ups. There's the actual soliciting bids from several sub trades, putting them together. I mean, that's a ton of time. It's a lot of work, and it's it's very it's a very simple thing to say. Being like, we are going to get bids. It's a very very simple sentence. But the amount of work required to accomplish that is, it's a lot. And so I actually think it's not so much, um, as giving away any trade secrets, but it's just respecting everyone as, you know, everyone's time. Because I think, you know, we all know, like the one thing that never ever scales is our time. No matter what we do, we will only have 24 hours in a day. And it's so, and also part of the reason why you hire a professional is for them to take care of the details to some extent. So yeah. hopefully if you do get a good contractor, if you get a good um, team, your entire team going designer, interior designer, contractor, whoever it is, if you get a really good team there, hopefully you can rely on them to take care of all those nitty gritty details. Because if you have if you have your own job, you're not going to have time to deal with all those details anyway. No, exactly. And people do do try to to handle all of all of those details all of those details I nearly lost my voice um but it's it's uh it's unbelievable the amount of direct questions that are asked by the all of the team the question you know and you have to have a certain amount of knowledge to to be able to answer them as well yeah so no. It's very much like a duck, right? Calm on the surface, but like paddling furiously underneath. <laughs> I think that's kind of, for some reason, that analogy came to me earlier this week, just in terms of dealing with one of my projects where I think all on the surface, you know, email every few days being like, here's the update, you know, everything's calm. But in the background, you know, me and my team were working furiously to just to get pull all the last minute details together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And then speaking of details, um, what about, um, as a homeowner, and I ask you, will you take care of all the licenses, inspections, and permits? Under, I mean, there are certain times where I think that it's the duty of the homeowner as well, because it is your home. And, um, you know, just as you would apply for any planning permission, stuff like that. Um, and yes, architects can do that as well at the same time. But, um, there are certain, if you, especially if you're in, um, shared property, um, mm-hmm. especially in, in the, in the UK, that's, that's how it is. Or you are, um, in shared ownership of your home or there is a management, like there's, you know, of a, a block of, uh, flats, or apartments and there's yeah. going to be a management team underneath that. Um, just be careful not to go steaming ahead and thinking and just assuming that just because the contractor says, yeah, let's like it, this can, we can do this. This is no problem. What a contractor should be doing is, is saying, uh, yeah, you know, let's talk about the licenses. Let's talk about the permits because, um, you are certainly going to uh, have more details. You know, the, the, for for permits, for things like skips, like for rubbish and stuff, mm-hmm. um, you need to, um, in some of the boroughs in the UK, you need to permit uh, or show uh, proof of your residency. Yeah. So that means the homeowner does need to do that. It's a lot 
there is a, you know, there is a way around it as well, but like for, for a contractor, but, um, it's just, it can, you know, it can just be like a lot longer. So it's, it's, it's better if the homeowner does that in my opinion. Um, but like, I, I, I think with, um, inspections like building control and stuff like that. Yes. I, I don't think that this should be, you know, this should be highlighted in any of the bid as well as a separate line item. Don't just assume that this is going to happen under the, you know, the cost of the project. It should be a line item on, on the quote that, you know, the licenses and the inspections and the permits are all going to be handled by the contractor. But don't be surprised. There's probably a couple of those, um, licenses or permits that the homeowner would need to handle as well. Right. And I think, like you said, there, there are certain things that only the homeowner can sign off of. Yeah. And I think oftentimes um, in the United States, it's often called the rules and regulations of whatever homeowners association or co-op or condo, whatever um, governing board that your property is a part of. The contractor is an outsider to that, you know, because when you purchase a property, you know, your attorney should go through all of those with you. And, um, the contractor has no ideas. I mean, they don't, no one on the outside knows exactly what the rules governing your particular property are. And so we need help, even though we're here to help you, we need a bit of help from you just in terms of knowing what we can and can't do. Even yeah. if I, a lot of times as the architect, we're just, you know, our clients just throw over the whole, you know, it's a 200 page document, but you know, we sit there and we read through it and mm. go from that. But it's, um, it's helpful, of course, if everyone knows <laughs> what's going on and what the correct expectations are. I think um, there's a good one about the, the – I, I can bring up a, a project that we're probably going to be doing um, in London under my company. And this is when you've got a block of flats. Block of flats. Um, our particular client is on the third floor. Um and we're going to be making it a bit open plan. Um, and I think, did I speak to, I might have spoken to you about this before. Uh, so, you know, um, making the kitchen in the living room area open plan. Um, and then we had to consider obviously the fire, uh, exit and, right. and, and safety of that. Um, and I questioned that to, to, to the homeowner and I, I, I said, can I speak to the management? Because we need to be able to be sure that this can be done. And, um, you know, it's, uh, the conversation goes along the lines of, well, I know that other people have done it in the, in, in the, in the block. Right. And, um, it, I, I think, you know, you shouldn't just assume just because they've done it, that it's allowed. And, yes. um, there's, there's parts that you just need to just, just, just check. It does take just a phone call, you know, contact the building control and say, listen, we plan to do this to our property. You know, what, what do we need to do? Do we need any licenses? Do you need, do we need a building control inspector to come out? These kind of things. It's, it's always good to just ask. People are afraid to ask sometimes. And the right. thing is, is that it can be really, really expensive if you're found out and you don't ask. I've known people that have had there to, to rebuild completely, um, right. at the cost of that. So it's, yeah, not a good idea. Yeah. There's, there is that, um, 
There is one philosophy that it's better to ask forgiveness than ask permission. Some people like to gamble a bit and go by that route, but I, I think I'm with you. I, w- I, w- I would not advise going that route simply because it's such a big investment and it's not, right. you're basically all, all, whatever you invest, you're putting that in jeopardy. Maybe not immediately and maybe not even by the um, association board or whatever governing body that your per- current property is under. Mm. But those questions do tend to come up again once you, if you ever want to sell, you know, because then the, whoever is coming into your place, they want to know that the work that was performed was all done correctly. It's permitted. It's up to code. It's safe, et cetera. So even if it doesn't bite you in the butt in the beginning, it might bite you later. Yeah, exactly. Especially, yeah, like you just said. And even if you're doing a, doing up a house to just flip, uh, in a couple of months after that, um, again, yeah, it's, uh, it's always, you don't want to be in that situation where you've completed it. You're just about to hand over, you know, the keys and right. <laughs> not, not a good idea. Right. All right. But then, so that's the end of the process. What about at the beginning of the process? And, um, as a homeowner, when should I ask you the question of when can you start and how long will it take? This is, this is a good one. I think like, um, it's always like, I've known, I've known it to be like, I want a bathroom done. When can you start? And it's like, well, hi, oh, hold on a minute. Let's like, what do you want done? You know, right. where, <laughs> where are the tiles coming from? You know, do we, are we changing anything around with right. plumbing and the electrics? So there's a lot of questions that get asked, but when can you start generally? You, you want to hear from a contractor that says, um, I can probably book you in, in the next couple of weeks. I'm booked up at the moment. So I can't fit you in tomorrow, uh, or next week, but you know, in the next couple of weeks, I can do that. That's always reassuring. You know, that they are always, they're on a job and that's good because that brings confidence. So, um, but how long will it take? Is it, it th- th- this is, this is the tricky one because I feel like when a contractor says it will take five weeks mm-hmm. as a homeowner, you're like, okay, to the day, five weeks. Right. <laughs> as soon as it's the day after five weeks, I'm on your case because right. you promised five weeks, you know? And the reason why I say it's a tricky one is because it's it, the question is being asked Usually at the beginning, right? This is without anticipating anything that they are going to discover. This is without anticipating that you are going to have any roadblocks on the way on. They're going to have any roadblocks on the way to work that there's going to be, um, any bad weather or there's going to be any extra works that the homeowner asks for, because even the small things, of can you do this? Oh, it's just this. Oh, it's just that. It's not too much. Oh, it's only a couple of hours. You know, when you add up all of that time going back to the builder merchants, going to order stuff, researching for the smallest little handle that you want on the door and stuff like that, that's time away of doing the actual job that they were originally doing. So there is always, um, I mean, a lot of contractors are starting to put it within their terms and conditions now and stuff like that. But, um, Whenever you have a change, there should always be a discussion 
And that is, if you're having extra work, this is how much it's going to take. This is how much it's going to cost. This is what we're going to do. And this is how long it's going to take. And this is what we're going to add on to the schedule of works, you know? So then it doesn't turn into five weeks. And, And then when you do get to a point where you feel like, um, it is going longer than, than it, than it, um, than, than they first said before having that conversation, add up all of the things that you've asked for extra as well, you know, because people forget about that. Jobs move very, very quickly. Projects move very, very fast sometimes. So yeah, it's, um, I think that is a very intimidating conversation to start with a contractor. I think maybe because in, in one sense, you know, we are humans and human nature that maybe when it comes to scope creep and, um, things that may drive total project cost up, we maybe tend to be slightly avoided. (laughs) (laughs) Homeowners, you know, I do think the tendency is, I don't think it's something done, you know, to be, you know, to try and get something out of other people, but it's, you know, just sort of human nature be like, well, you know, it's a little give and take, maybe a little extra here and extra there. And then it could be generally covered under sort of the overall labor line item. Mm. So, but as a homeowner, when we're going to talk about change orders, do you expect me to start that conversation or do you, or should we expect you to start the conversation about change orders? Um, it's, it's, so, so it's usually the homeowner that asks for something extra. Correct. Right. Um, or it will be the contractor saying, listen, I've discovered this and it's going to take more time. Right. So, um, if you're, if you want something extra, then the additional questions you need to be asking is how much and how long, like how much more time is this going to put onto the schedule? And you, you might got, you might not get an answer straight away because they need to think about how long that it's going to take. But, um, you need to be, you need to be asking that you need to take control of that or your project manager. If you have a project manager on the job and it's not just you, then that they, they need to be asking those kind of questions. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think too often, I think again, I mean, we've, I almost feel like we say this every single episode, but it it comes down to really good communication and it's just asking the question immediately is, you know, sort of keeping the air clear. It's just keeping the conversation running. And Mm. so I think that's, that's a great point. And then in terms of insurance, when should I ask the contractors to show me proof of insurance? Probably straight away, you know, yeah, because if they haven't got insurance, then you can move on to the next one. Um, whoever you're vetting or whoever's, um, tendering for the project, you should, you, you need to know, I mean, you need to know the value of your home, which you probably mm-hmm. would know anyway. Um, and then the typical, I don't know what it's like. What's the minimum requirements of insurance for a contractor in the, in the US? Um, it depends. There's different levels of, so I know, um, I don't know the ins and outs of this, but I know you can be like, so for residential work, you can be a general contractor and there's certainly a license associated with that, but there are like levels within that. And then there are certain like levels of, um, you know, being bonded and insured. And then, um, I'm not sure what the base norm is, but I do know that like in the city, Certain buildings, like if you, I don't like, they don't care if you're moving one sink and that's it. Like tiny little job, quote unquote, tiny. Hmm. The building 
as an overall building. Like, actually, we're just running to this pro- um, this problem in New York, and it's a small job, but it's in New York, the so Lower East Side. It's, it's a good building. It's a nice building. It's a lot. All the units are worth a lot, and so it's a tiny job. But they want every single contractor walking in there to have really high insurance levels. You know, because yeah. the total asset of everyone's units that may or may not be affected is huge. Mm-hmm. And so we're, it's actually pretty hard to find a contractor with that level of insurance willing to take on a job that small. And so that's not really what you asked in terms of your question, but um, it is a real issue. And you should, it probably it may come up in your job if you have sort of a property in the city and, you know, you have common walls or common floors. Yeah, so you can, like, as a contractor, um, you can get insured for a minimum, well, you can get insured for a million public liability, Mm -hmm. a million pounds public liability, and, um, and then I'm not too sure about the minimum on employer's liability. But the public liability is, it starts at a million and then it's usually a million, two million, five million, ten million. And, um, not, not a lot of people still know this, but it's, it's, uh, the minimum requirement for renovating a home in the UK. Um, from what I was told, <laughs> I have to double check this, but it's five million. And there are a ton of contractors still operating, uh, with less cover mm-hmm. than they're supposed to be. So, um, so that's all of the UK, not just like London. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's all of the UK. Wow. As okay. as, yeah. I mean, I might be wrong. So I, if I will be putting on the show notes, I'll check it and I'll put in some links. But the last time that we were insured as a company, um, I remember it came up and it was 5 million, um, mm-hmm. as, as the minimum that you could have. Um, and then 10 million for employers liability for a company as well. Yeah. yeah it's, um, good chunk of the overhead that it is it is yeah and talking about other sort of licensing legal lease things um in terms of i'm assuming this is like insurance i should just ask you from the get-go if you're licensed um so so with licensed you've all plumbers and electricians mm-hmm. be licensed um Carpenters can have, um, a master craftsman, um, license qualification. Um, but as a general builder, um, you don't need to be licensed to, to renovate a home. Um, not, not, not generally. No. I mean, I'm sure there's tons and tons and tons of builders that don't have license. Um, but you do have to have, um, like if you're doing, um, building work on, on a large, like home, then, and, and then under the project management and under the architect requirements, uh, for tendering, you'll probably have to have a health and safety license, mm-hmm. uh, first, first aid and that kind of stuff. Um, but, um, generally, no, you don't need a license to, to renovate someone's home. Electricians mm-hmm. do. Plumbers, gas, gas do as well. So, yeah. As a homeowner, should I ask to see, um, just, should I ask to see everyone's license at the beginning? Or sort of as just those trades come in and start to work? 
I think you, there's no harm in asking. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you want to, to check everyone's license. Um, but you're going to have more than likely, uh, if anyone's renovating their home, you're going to have a team of guys and then you're going to have the main guy, a site foreman or the owner of the company. Um, and it's their responsibility to oversee everything and to make sure that who they're hiring, because they're probably going to be subcontractors that they're hiring, um, that they need to check for all of the licenses and stuff like that. So usually what you would expect is to have, um, in the main contract with the, with the contracting company, you would have in there that they, are responsible for checking all licenses and the homeowner's not responsible for checking them. Okay. Got it. And then, um, kind of going back to insurance, um, I mean, you always hope and pray it never comes to this point, but, um, in terms of arbitration, should mm-hmm. I be asking you in the beginning about, um, litigation arbitration? Um, I'm assuming that's usually laid out in the terms and conditions, just in the contract of the standard routes of any sort of conflict resolution. But um, yeah, how, how would you want homeowners to sort of approach that topic with you? I think it's one, it's a, it's a sensitive one because you're in a good mood. You're excited about renovating your home um, and whoever you're, you're, speaking to that's going to be doing the work you want to remain in a polite manner you want to be speaking to them you know being excited and um finding out all the information about the job and it's all good speaking about the nice stuff um but yeah you you need to be making sure that i think the way the good the best way to handle this is like look you know we all know that um the project is gonna uh you know if if you if you do the project um, we all know and we hope that things are going to run smoothly. We're going to be happy with you. You're going to be happy with us. Um, but let's face it, we're all human beings. You know, things can go wrong on projects. Um, and it can get tough. It can be emotional. You know, um, it's our home and stuff like that. So I just want to, you know, you probably are great as you, you are, uh, like as, as you sound and, and, and as you uh, portray yourself to be. But, um, should we get, into a tough situation where um, we need to have some additional support or someone in between us to help discuss and, you know, put out cards on the table before, you know, we either decide to continue with the work or part, uh, part ways, then um, some, some arbitration or knowing that you are a member of uh, an arbitration service or something would be great. And, you know, would you be prepared to be, going through those channels should we end up getting to this situation. It's always good to talk like you, you know, it can be quite upsetting sometimes. Maybe the homeowner is accidentally um, not paid on time. So the contractor is a bit annoyed and then that can really follow into the, the, the way that they want to treat your home and the way they want to do the work and the speed. Mm-hmm. So then the contractor might just slow down a little bit or, you know, um, have the, have the hump when they come, to work. And th- at the same time, you know, it, it could be if the, co- if the project has gone on longer than it needs to be, the, co- the contractors are probably thinking, you know, we need to, we need to move on. We need to get out of there, out, get out of here. The homeowner is starting to feel stressed, you know, and stuff like that. So there's so much that can go on in that project. And I always refer it to the honeymoon at the beginning, you know, or 
you're going to love us at the beginning. You're going to hate us halfway through. And then hopefully you'll love us at the end. Right. You know, this is usually how it ends up. Um, so yes, it's always a good idea. It's sensible to just say at the beginning, you know, do you have, it's probably, it's, we're probably never going to use it guys, but have you got, are you a member of an arbitration? Just so I know, so I can make sure that, um, we have it if we ever need to use it, should we not? Right. Right. It's sort of, I mean, for both parties, right? It's, um, it's a safety net, the way yeah. to solve conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. If you're planning a renovation or you're moving into your first new home, then the Akiva Toolkit could be the solution you need. With its easy-to-use package of 10 documents, you are able to manage time, budget, and the communication between your builders and you to ensure the project is complete to satisfaction first time round. The Akiva Toolkit saves you money and time. It's for the first-time renovator and the renovator that wants to do things better the second time round. It's a fraction of the cost compared to paying for mistakes or repeating work that's already done. Go to akivatoolkit.com and get your project off to a perfect start today. So this is actually a lot trickier than it sounds, I find to be in practice, because I think, you know, we, like I was just saying, we talk every single episode about how clear communication is the key to successful project and just, you know, ad nauseum, like we just say that over and over. But um, how, how is, what is the best way for me and for myself as a homeowner and you or whatever GC I may be working with to sort of lay out the best mode of communication? So first, I think I would probably say is that if it's just you, then fine, you know, but usually you will come with a plus one um, and that will be your husband, wife, partner, whatever. So first of all, make sure that you are communicating really well with your partner, husband or wife, right? Because sometimes it ends up being <laughs> that that's not even happening. And then the contractor, the poor guy, poor woman ends up getting information from one partner and different information from another. And that can be really confusing. So, uh, that's one point. I just wanted to put that out there. So in terms of communication, um, it's all good. It's all well and good saying everything should be in writing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect world. Yes. Everything should be in writing, but writing takes time. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm, I'm always saying that it should be in writing as well, but sometimes a quick phone call is always good as well. Um, but they're not good enough. You know, you, you always need to follow up, but get clear on the timings as well. Like when, when should you, what, what I'm trying to say is, is that the communication needs to be clear on when you're, when, when you can communicate. So I think it's always good. Let's just say your project is running five weeks, right? Um, having a conversation or, you know, having a follow up at the end of each week is always a good idea. So you're going through what has happened throughout the project, what problems have, have arisen, what problems have been solved what's left to do, that kind of stuff. Um, but have, have a central place. Even that it's like, there's so many things that you can do these days, like Google doc sheets, Excel right. sheets, 
you know, all of this being shared online um, that can then be, you know, typed up in an app on your phone or iPad or something like that. But yeah, I think um, how will, how will, how will we, how well will we be communicating with you throughout the project is a good question to ask right at the beginning. How do you prefer to communicate? Um, and, you know, as long as we all follow up, I'm happy to have conversations on the phone as well. Uh, who am I going to be talking to as well? You know, I need to know that I'm talking to the same person all the time. Um, and what else? I think it's, uh, yeah, just, just following up, having those pointers to discuss. Uh, yeah, that's it. Timings. So you want to know what time you can call your contractor as well. And at the same time, what time the contracts can call you. So are you going to be as a homeowner, you're going to be at work and you're unavailable between certain times of the day because you have meetings. Maybe you've kids, you want to take them to nursery or school uh, and you're not available till nine 30, 10 in the morning. And maybe, you know, yes, it's your home, but at the same time you have a private life. Maybe you don't want to be discussing anything after six. There's nothing abnormal saying that, but with the contractor as well, you know, they have a, a private life and, um, I, I think it's completely unnecessary to be texting at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night with your contractor. You know, they, they, they have a private life. They do need to switch off right. as well at the same time. So just get all of that clear, um, right. at the beginning. Right. And also just as, um, one of my, uh, one thing that I struggle with for certain clients is not with certain clients, it's just modern life in general, but in terms of project management and all the different forms of communication, um, nothing can replace face-to-face meetings, obviously. Um, phone calls are, I think, oftentimes the next best thing in terms of getting a lot of information explained, discussed, decisions made. Um, you can hear, there's a lot more information just hearing the tone of voice, I think, in a phone call versus an email. Mm. And then um, I do think it's best to follow up phone calls with an email summary, even if it's not give me this information or make these decisions. It's always good, I think, in writing to record what decisions were made. You know, it's something that everyone can point back to. Yeah. And um, what I find very hard is text because then the information is split up and it's already split up in so many different ways. It's split up between meetings phone calls, emails. And then once you add texts into the yeah the situation, for some reason for me, like it's just like the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like mm. texts are really, really excellent for, I need to get a hold of you quickly. When can we talk? When can we meet? Let's all the little, those little details. But in terms of making big decisions, texts, I would, I personally would encourage to not text those things because I know all texts, um, like WhatsApp, just iMessages, et cetera. You can technically search them, but I've never found those search engines to actually be good. And so okay. like trying to search back through like, God, hundreds and hundreds of lines of text to find that one decision is, that's, it's essentially time wasted, I find. And so I think um, try and keep the formal decision-making into like a more formal form of communication. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just one about, um, WhatsApp. 
Uh, I'm not sure if everyone knows this, but yeah, it's, it's a really fast way of communicating really easy. Everyone uses WhatsApp every day anyway. Um, right. and you can take a photo quite instantly. You can mm-hmm. sketch on that photo. You can send it back. You can, um, uh, you can voice message with a click, you know, uh, but the best thing I found about the WhatsApp is that, yeah, the search is quite weak on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can export the entire conversation, the entire, the, the, the whole, um, group chats you can, you can export in a second. Um, and then you can put it on your computer and search that way if you needed to. Uh-huh. Bit of a long way around, but yeah. It is a long can, way around. Yeah. It is a bit helpful to know. It's actually interesting. I find that, um, it's, it's not, it doesn't have as many native US users, I find. It's much more people who do a lot of business abroad or they, they tend to travel a lot. Um, it's just for some reason it hasn't, it's not as big in the United States. I could it's be wrong. Maybe. Huge, huge in the UK. I know it's huge in Europe. It's huge in Asia as well. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's, um, anyway, we're, we're, <laughs> we're not, we're not a tech podcast. I, I guess I want to, I want to say that in terms of it, it can make project management complicated when it's, you know, when decisions are made in lots of different places. But yeah. anyway, um, speaking of working or being on the phone every single day and texting, um, is it, is it kosher for me to ask my GCP to me working on the project every single day until completion? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really good question to ask, you know, because not every single day is in like seven days a week, but, are you going to be working every day, working days on, on, on this project? Um, because I don't think that you should assume that that's going to happen that way as well, because at the same time, um, building companies, uh, the biggest, biggest problem that they have is cash flow. Um, they need a lot of cash available to pay everyone and it takes longer to get paid by a client than it does anything else. So, um, they need to keep moving, keep ticking. They've got bills to pay and stuff like this. So it's always going to be, uh, you know, I, I, unless they're really small and they can handle just one project. Um, but they probably will have the additional project, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so they, and, and not all of their team are going to be required on your project all you know, all in one go. So it's done at stages and they can just like, um, when the, when the plumber has been done on your project on the first fix, he'll move that, that plumber onto another project. And then, you know, then the Tyler comes in or whatever, you know, but it's, it's done like that. So yeah, um, you can ask that question, but, um, you'll probably, yeah, you're, it's, (laughs) the thing is you're probably going to get, sorry about the bleep, but you're, you're probably going to get, uh, yeah, of course we are, you know, like, yes, of course we're going to work on your project every day. Um, but you don't know how that's going to plan out. There might be a bit where you turn around as a homeowner two weeks down the line and you say, Hey, you know what? There's a bit of a delay on the, uh, the purchases that, you know, there's, they're, they're not going to arrive next week. They're going to arrive the week after. Right. So the contractor will probably go, well, okay, there's not much for me to do. I'm going to go on to another project. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and you as a homeowner might think there is stuff to do. Right. But you don't know the stages of 
the way that things need to be done. And the contractor is thinking, well, yeah, I, I can't do the next stage. So I'm just going to probably go on to this other project and then I'll be back. And right. you, you just need to have those conversations. You just need to be sure about that. Yeah. Yeah. I do think there's also certain stages where there might be work happening every day, but not on site, you know, when, when fabrication is done off site. Yeah. So like, you know, you're kind of waiting in your house with cabinets that have no countertop and you're like, what the heck? But someone's fabricating the countertops <laughs> off site. True. True. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, there, there's, there's rather than, you know, let's just say that they get to that position, they get to that situation and they're not on site and they haven't turned up, uh, you know, for one day. Right. I, I think that can be kind of forgivable. Um, mm-hmm. but then if it gets to the, the second day and they've not turned up, yeah, sure. Give them a call, figure mm-hmm. out, you know, don't start shouting down the phone and saying, You've, you weren't here yesterday. You're not here today. What's going on? Just say like, Hey, is everything all right? You know, um, is there a reason, uh, why there is no work happening on my project at the moment? If you can just explain, you know, when you'll be back and why you're not here at the moment, then I'm sure everything will be fine. But it, yeah, don't, don't start jumping down their throat straight away. Cause they could be a real good reason as to why they're not there. All right. Makes, makes complete sense. And then what about, um, what about me asking if we agree by contract? It's completely fine. I think everyone should have a contract anyway. Um, I don't think you should be intimidated at all to ask that kind of question. Um, I think rather than saying, do you mind if we agree by contract? Uh, I think you should be saying, um, you know, when can I sign the contract or, you know, can I see your contract? Um, I, I think every, every building contractor should have one, whether that is just in a set of terms and conditions, bullet pointed where you and them sign you and the homeowner signs, um, or whether it's a little bit more, um, weighty, a little bit more heavy, you know, more detail in, contains the spec and everything else. But yeah, it, there should be some agreement between you both. Okay. And is the payment terms usually um, included in that contract? Should I, as a homeowner, expect that? Yes. Um, but that's a completely, you know, that is a discussion where you say, what are the payment terms? And I think um, they all can always vary. So um, a contractor might want to be paid weekly because they prefer it that way. They work better that way. Um, like I said before, cash flow. Um, if they know that they're getting paid every Friday, their team know they're getting paid every Friday. Everyone is happy. It's moving along fast. Um, monthly or milestones, which is quite common actually. So it's an agreement when, when, when a certain stage has been met, um, this payment is released. Right. What, what are common stages that are, that payments released at? Um, so contractors would usually in the UK, they would work like 30%, uh, deposit 30%. Um, midway through 30% towards the end, leaving a 10% at the end, or there could even be, that could even be broken down to, um, uh, f- 5% at the end as well. Um, or it could even be 50% upfront. If it's something like 50% upfront, and then it could also be 50% at the end, you know, okay. so, so that's that, that would be a very small project. 
Yeah, I would say. Exactly. Okay. So the milestones are done off of completion, not like, hey, we've finished rough framing or we've finished all the rough like plumbing and um, electric work. It's not, So it's more by overall project instead of like, I guess to me, in my mind, it's easier to milestones to say like, oh, drywall's done. That's a milestone. Or, but it's, that doesn't seem like it's what you're talking about. No, I mean, if if it's like first fix and second fix are mm-hmm. milestones. So it would be like, hey, listen, when I've ripped out your bathroom, um, we need a payment. And when I have uh, got the plumber and the electrician in and they've done all of the first fix, um, then we need the next payment. And then when we've done the tiling, that's the next payment. And then when we okay. do the second fix, that's the kind of milestones I'm thinking of. Oh, that is, okay. That makes sense. But sometimes it can be really tricky because um, it's quite sad, but I've also known um, situations to occur when those milestones are written down and then maybe there is um, like one tile left and the payment's not released, but there is a good reason why that tile um, isn't, it's not been put, maybe it's an access panel, maybe it's something else, but it's been literally read to the contract. You're not getting paid this. Um, and the contractor is like, we've tiled your entire bathroom or, right. you know, there's this one tile and you're holding the entire amount. And I right. think there is an, a, there is a area where you, you, you should just have a, a discussion and mm-hmm. just fair enough, you know, like, Let's talk about this. Let's see what we can do financially. You don't want to be getting into any hot water with, with, with a situation like that. That makes sense. It could also be, look, you know, the same, like, let's talk about another one. So, uh, the 50% up front and 50% at the end, right? So you've got that written in contract and you, as a contractor, you take every, you take everything out. You, you you got the fifty percent, but then you take everything out. You put everything back, and the the, the homeowner you turn around and say, um, "I'm going to get the the glass to be fitted for the shower." Um, but if you can just deal with them, you know, like communicate with them, tell them when they need to come in and everything else, right. and then it's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, we can do that, no problem. And then the glass. Uh, you know, you're finished. You've finished the entire project and the glass company call you up and then they say, um, we've had a problem with the glass. Um, you know, it's not, it's not complete. Uh, and it didn't meet testing. So we're going to have to do it again. And there's going to be another three weeks. Um, you know, you go back to the client and the client turns around and says to you, yeah, I know it's not your fault, but our agreement is when the bathroom is complete, We'll right. give you your money. And then the conversation is, but you just, you, you chose the company to work with for, for the glass. So yeah, it's, uh, those kind of situations happen too, you know? Yeah. Where, um, and where, where do you lie on that? You know? Right. It's a difficult one. It is a difficult one. It's- so I think really just to protect a contractor, I probably would say have in your contract, something like, um, you know, or have an agreement with the homeowner to say anything that you buy, 
you're in control of, you know, you're in control of its delivery. You can, you're in control of if it breaks before we, we touch it. Um, and it shouldn't affect the payment terms. I don't think. Right. Yeah. It's to edge of silence. <laughs> I know it's just, I'm just thinking because it's, it's just so, he always thinks like, oh, it's just a small project. There's, there's no such thing as just a small project in that sense, because the smaller a project is, the more sensitive the budget is, which means yeah. that every single decision has an outsized effect on the budget. Mm. And then you end up doing all these gymnastics to try and make things meet the budget. Meanwhile, running up everyone's projects, time and management and things get um, less the normal way of operating, let's say, is suspended in those situations because you're doing all these slightly different things or ways of delivering services or materials to the job in order to make it meet the budget. And that just, it complicates it and it makes it harder. And so I just, it's, um, it's not a happy thing, you know, but it's, it's the truth. <laughs> and, then, and then it just goes back to the communication, you know, um, Sometimes when you start talking or when you're texting this with your client um, or as a homeowner, when you're texting your contractor about these kind of things, texts can be really misread. Um, Absolutely. And you can really get a whole lot of hot water about that. So picking up the phone and just having the conversation and just, you know, if you, if the client is a decent person, then you're going to have a decent conversation is the same as the contractor. If they're decent and reasonable and reasoning, then it's, it's going to be fine. I agree. Completely agree. All right. On to slightly more easier things to talk to ask about. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, what about how much can I ask as a client? How much can I, how much can I ask from you as a contractor in terms of keeping you know, maybe the areas of the home that aren't being worked on clean and neat and sort of tidy. Well, I mean, they, you, sh- you should just tell the contractor what areas are non-accessible. Definitely the areas are not working, you know, that all doors need to be shut, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the understanding that um, if they have to go through a room to access things like the kitchen where, the shut off for the water might be or stuff like that. Then just having that understanding, but floor floor protection is reasonably cheap these days. It's mm-hmm. not expensive. So that should really go everywhere anyway. Um, and in the areas where you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not, they're not working in, keep the door completely shut. You've got these, um, zip covers for doors, you know, to keep dust out. Um, a very, very good investment. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think uh, a home a homeowner uh, is also responsible for protecting their own home. You know, mm-hmm. valuable too. You know, it's uh, if you feel that something is at risk uh, and it could be broken easily by a contractor passing by, move it. You know, yeah. um, right. don't just don't just say be careful with that because right. you know it's it's your responsibility. It's your home. And I think you need to, you, you know, just as anyone, if you, if you, if you rented your home out at the same time, you, you, you would not, you, you would, uh, apply me- measures of, um, keeping the place tidy, clean and protected at the same time. Yeah. How, um, 
I guess this is less me asking you as a homeowner, but how do you explain the amount of mess and dust and everything that is to be expected? Because it, it does happen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I think... um just be honest, tell them, you know, and, and it's always good to say, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to be messy. It's going to be messy. And you, you, you're going to have dust. Um, and you, you would hoover it up once and it's going to settle again. You know, it's going to be a nightmare for a while, you know, but it will all be worth it and bring a positive to it at the same time. You know, um, it's always, it's not always good telling people that the house is going to be messy. Uh, even even though it's even though it's an obvious thing but at the same time it's like um look yes your house is going to be messy we're going to tidy up after each day but it's literally just a sweep and tidy not hoover immaculately yes a broom clean um and uh have you know we will have an understanding you know if you've got little kids running around and stuff like that you know we, we will tidy extra in those areas but at the same time this is a good tip actually it's probably like never always you know add in your building budget complete a, a little bit off off what we're talking about but add within your budget for a cleaner nothing better oh yeah than, Julia, you know, imagine that. You're just like every week you just said to yourself, okay, I'm going to renovate my home, but I'm not going to clean, you know. Um, and I've got this person coming in at the, at, on the Friday before the weekend, before, you know, when everyone has gone out the house and it's just us. Right. I'm going to have this cleaner in on a Friday afternoon and they're going to, you know, just give it a good clean up. And your home, your home is your home again for a weekend, nice. which is sometimes quite nice. That's a great, great tip. But um, actually, this goes actually a little bit back to what we were talking about in the very beginning of visiting different, like, you know, jobs in progress. Mm -hmm. Um, As a, so say I'm a first time completely new at this. I've never seen, I've never been to a job site. Um, And then maybe I wasn't able to visit, you know, a job in process. So how, is there a way to help people understand what's like, how do I know what's reasonable to expect in my home versus, Oh man, maybe this is more like a cowboy builder. Like they're not doing anything. Like what's, how do you, what's that line between acceptable to that's really not right. I think, um, that you shouldn't be hiring anyone. Uh, it's a difficult one because obviously everyone needs to work and gain experience, but I think, um, levels of expectation of what clean enough is too. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are we on the, are we on the one about experience? How much experience do you have? Uh, no, I'm just wondering still on the cleaning one. Okay. Still on the cleaning one. Yeah. Um, Hey, I mean, you, you can go onto YouTube and type in plastering and you will see, you will see the kind of mess to expect. You know, there, there are t- a ton of renovation, um, clips on go on you like go on instagram there you go go on instagram have a look at type in hashtag renovation and you will see um a lot of renovation works going on and what to expect you'll you'll start get used to the kind of work to what to expect you know um and you'll see what area you know who's being protected how much they're being protected when it comes down to painting and stuff like that so okay that's another good tip Hmm. 
And also just, I think personally, what I look at a lot when I go to a job site is like, there's a difference between like how quote unquote clean a place is, like how, how thorough were they with sweeping that the day before or whatever. Mm. But then I think a separate element is how organized is the job site. And so I personally almost look more at the organization part of it as a sign that a job is being well run, things are thought about the workflow, the whole like construction quote unquote plan that that's well thought out. I Mm. think, um, so maybe don't just look at how dusty is it? Like look at how organized and how the flow of the work is set up to me. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. It's a good point. I guess things like, you know, if the, if the, if the, the kitchen delivery has arrived and, um, every, you know, all of the protection has been ripped off of it. And it's just like, you've got these bare units in place right next to machinery. And you're thinking oh, that's not really organized that well, you know, it's a lot, it's, it's at risk of damage and stuff like that. Or you've got things that are leaning on the, on the wall and it's not that safe, that kind of stuff. I guess that's what you're talking about, right? More that's organization. You, I think, um, this, this may sound silly, but even, I mean, you bring on roofing materials and then it goes up to the roof or the way that, you know, when trusses are delivered yeah. on site and how they're stored or how mm. they're racked, or you can, to me, it's about if those, you can, I feel like you can tell when the raw building materials or just, you know, finished materials are delivered on site, how they are stored and organized and kept mm. prior mm. to installation. To me, that tells, tells me a lot about the contractor and how, um, how, it's a glimpse into his mind, I think, in terms of the planning and how everything goes and to what standard he expects everyone in his crew to be at. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Yes. And then um, that does kind of segue into the last and I don't know, is this the most important question? Maybe not, but that always that question, you know, how much experience do you have? Yeah, it's a good one. I mean, um, I I always prefer to to hear that someone's got years and years of experience, you know. Um it's always a good sign. But I think um you want to be hearing that people have got like a, a good 5 years experience. Um let me just silence this one second. Um yeah, you want to be hearing that by the way. Whatever you're hearing, I'm not. You're not? I, I hear these beeps, you know, these notifications, no. annoying notifications that happen. No. Um, but do not disturb is also a good thing, which I should always switch on at the beginning. Anyway, um, yeah, so how, how much experience? What you want to be hearing is that, yes, I've got, you know, you don't want to be hearing, I've got five years experience, full stop. That's it. You know, you want to be hearing, yeah, I've got, you know, years of experience. I used to work here. I used to work there. You want to hear a story, mm-hmm. you know, you want to hear them be passionate about, um, mm. what they've worked on and, to, and explain their experience. You know, you want to be hearing like, Oh, I had this really difficult job and it was a really, you know, it's a big challenge, but we overcome it and it was this, and it was very difficult. And we made it out of this. You want to be hearing that kind of, you know, answer to that question. How much experience do you have? What about, um, I guess I'm not sure if this is relevant, as relevant in building. Maybe it is to a certain extent if you come from a specific trade and you're moving into being more of a general contractor. But what about if your experience is more in one area and less in another? 
I think um, I would I would say any contractor listen and be honest uh, about it. You know, um, I think that as much as it can, yes, be a, uh, seen as a downer. You know, if someone is really expecting you to have all of the experience, that's a good question, actually. I think don't expect everyone, you know, don't expect a builder to ha- wear all the hats, you know, and have a good experience in managing the project and plumbing and electrics and this and that. You know, um, they're going to have basic knowledge on, on those things, but um, they are a high, they're hiring professional subcontractors to right. do that as well, which would be more knowledgeable in those areas. But um, I think when it comes down to the experience, you want to be hearing that they have also come up with problems as well and that they're comfortable in discussing those problems mm. and how they and how they overcome it. Right. You don't, you don't want to be just hearing all of the good stuff, I don't think. So that's a good question to ask. Is like what was what was one of the most challenging renovations you ever did, and what yeah. how did you handle it? Yeah, that's a good one. Exactly. You know, have you have you um, have you had any leaks happen? You know, like is there has there been any water leaks? Has there been any burst pipes or stuff like that? How have you handled that? How have you responded to that? You know, what would you do in that situation if it happened on our projects? You know, that those, those kind of questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's us done. Good. Okay. Well, enjoy. You too. Have a wonderful weekend.